With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Hang Out in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your SB Nation site covering all things Ohio State Athletics 24-7, 365. My name is Matt Tamanini, and I am joined today by Land Grant Editor Emeritus and SB Nation College League Manager Matt Brown. Now, Matt, I've done a handful of Land Grant podcasts over the last two years, but I actually feel legit for the first time because I'm doing one with you. I haven't done that before, so it feels official now. It's, it's been a minute. It's a lot more fun, I think, when you're in the passenger seat rather than when you're driving. Um, yeah. But it, it, it helps when you have a bunch of actually like exciting things to talk about. And I feel like over the course of my tenure running running this website, we did a lot of podcasts about some extremely average at best Ohio State basketball teams. And then, you know, you're trying to sell it and like, well, you know, we refreshed Bracket Matrix a couple of times. So let's get excited about maybe making a run in the NIT. And this is this is just a lot more fun, isn't it? Yeah, this is uh, this has been a surprisingly exciting basketball season, which we'll get to in a moment. But on this episode, we're going to talk about the season as a whole, but then also look at how things are shaping up heading into the Big Ten basketball tournament. And then, believe it or not, also the NCAA tournament. But before we do that, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. You can find all episodes of The Hangout in the Hoodland at landgrantholyland.com, as well as on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you get high-quality podcasts. You can also now follow this very show on Twitter at HolyLandPod. You can also follow the site at LandGrant33 and on Facebook at LandGrantHolyLand. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt, and Matt Brown is on Twitter at MattSBN. Do you do, you do that? Instagram as well? Uh, I, I do have an Instagram. It's Windy City Matt. I'll be honest with you, it's mostly just going to be pictures of my toddler. Yeah. So if, you, if you're Seems expecting fair. sports content there, maybe stick to Land Grant. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right. So, Matt, we are recording on Sunday evening. As we record, there is just one regular season men's Big Ten basketball game remaining. And actually, it's probably in the second half by this point. That's Northwestern and Iowa. That will affect the seeding for Iowa and I believe Rutgers as well. However, beyond that, it has little to no consequence on the bearing of what will actually be the final uh, result of the Big Ten tournament. We know that Ohio State is slotted in as the number two seed, and we know a little bit more about who they might potentially play. But before we get into the details about this, you have done a couple podcasts with Colton that has touched on basketball stuff. But I believe, as you said, the last one was actually like pre-2018. It was kind of overlapping with some football stuff. So as we kind of look back now at the regular season that was, can you just give me your like thousand foot big picture takes on the 2017-2018 season for Ohio State men's basketball? Sure. I mean, if, if you are fully committed to the glass-half-empty approach, you might look at the Big Ten this year and, and you know, 
point out that this is a, a historically weak year, I think, for the conference depth. There's been a lot of teams that have been unlucky with injuries. You've had some weird coaching attrition. Um, and really, I think after Michigan State and Purdue, like there's there's a, a pretty big gap. You know, there's not a huge not a huge talent gap um, you know, between the three seed and like the six seed or anything. But forget all of that, because before the season, this was but by just about every reliable basketball analyst, Ohio State was an NIT team, maybe. This was a team that it was that their goal was going to be to avoid playing on the first day of the Big Ten tournament. And a lot of the parts of the roster that seem to be major question marks, you know, there's who's going to be playing point guard? What's the guard depth going to be looking like? Who's Ohio State going to rely on when they absolutely need a bucket? Uh, all of those turned out better, I think, than anyone's wildest expectations. You now suddenly have a roster that has not just, I think, the obvious choice for the Big Ten uh, Player of the Year, but a, a legitimate candidate for National Player of the Year in Bates Diop. You've gotten much better than expected production um, out of C.J. Jackson and, and, and Andrew Dakic at, at point guard, and you've been able to kind of mask uh, a lot of the potential flaws here. And it comes out with a team that – has had an excellent season, a team that, that could lose that first game of the Big Ten tournament and it doesn't really matter. They're going to not only make the NCAAs, they're going to be favored to win one, probably two games. Um, and to see all of this and with the, in the first year of a coaching staff when there was so much negative energy around this program and with, I think, a pretty solid recruiting class coming in next year, it's easy to be really excited about where Ohio State is because it's, it's everything at this point, to me, is found money. Yeah, absolutely. I I think if we would have spoken, you know, four, five, six months ago, if you would have told us that they would have been a number two seed, we would have thought you were crazy uh, because the expectations were so low for this team, especially because of all of the rigmarole that happened with letting go of Thad Mata in June and then finding Chris Holtman. And then maybe he didn't want to come and then he decided to come and then everybody was behind the eight ball. It really has been uh, a season of wildly exceeding expectations. But you talked about some of the things that they found that they thought could be problems, but they found answers to. However, you know, if you go through and look at the stats that Ohio State put out this year, I can't tell you what exactly they're good at and why they've won so many games. Like the only two things that they actually, if you look at the Big Ten statistics, that they're pretty good in is like their field goal percentage. They're like third in Big Ten and field goal percentage. And then their rebounding differential. They're pretty good on defensive rebounding and not so good on offensive, but in the end it equals out. So they're good at shooting fairly close and they're good at rebounding. I don't know that that's what I would say is a team that's going to, I mean, I guess those are things you want to build on, but other than that, they don't have anything that really jumps out as being, Oh, this is the reason why they're in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I, a part of that, I think we have to be honest is a function of this schedule where they were able to, to whoop up on a bunch of average to below average teams and, and mm -hmm. they really didn't have a bad loss. And if you're able to win 23, 24 games and don't lose to anybody outside the top 40 in, in Ken Palm, you're going to be in a good position seating wise. Um, you know, there's there's been a couple other, I think, in, improvements here with, with this team. This is this is a team that that is, is reasonably efficient. That I, I think does a good job of of not taking bad shots, whether that's you know that that's shots close to the basket where you have a couple of other big men who, for the first time, I think, for Ohio State basketball the past couple of years, you have guys like Caleb Wesson that can manufacture points in the paint, uh, and and the team plays you know reasonably strong defense, does a good job of contesting shots and possessions, and um, as long as they don't run into somebody that is just extremely effective shooting from downtown, they're going to be in a position to be competitive. Um, it's it's not a team that you know other than maybe three point shooting, 
has massive flaws. And while it has, they haven't been playing their best basketball, I think, over the last two weeks, uh, it's a team that's that's tired, right? Because this isn't this isn't a squad that goes 11, 12 deep. I, I think the fact that they have a chance to be able to get some rest, not just before the Big Ten tournament, but because of this weird scheduling quirk that I'm sure you and I are going to talk to a little bit later, they're going to have some real rest before the actual tournament. That's going to put them in a position, I think, to, to be playing some of the basketball that we saw more in mid-January uh, than maybe late February. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to talk about that. And I mentioned it in an, an article I wrote for Land Grant on Sunday about the seating is that they have the chance to kind of get back to that high energy brand of ball that they were showing when they were running off eight, nine wins in a row. But before we before we get there, I, I, I do think another thing that could plague them both in the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament, in addition to maybe running into an opponent who is shooting lights out from three, is the fact that while they have found some answers at the point guard position, whether it's it's been C.J. Jackson or Andrew Dockage or even at times Jay Sean Tate, I do worry about a strong defensive point guard playing against Ohio State's guards. Their ball handling has been suspect at times. The turnover margin, especially from the point guard position, has not been great, both from C.J. Jackson, although he's gotten better throughout the year, and Andrew Dockich seems to throw one or two unbelievably boneheaded balls away every game. So I worry a little bit about running into a guard-heavy team that can really clamp down, especially on the outside. So that's something to keep a look at, especially in you know on Selection Sunday when we kind of see who they might be playing in the big dance. But one more thing before we get to this tournament, a guy we haven't talked about that I'll probably write a column about it in between the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. I completely agree that Kata Bates-Diop is the obvious answer for Big Ten Player of the Year. However, if you asked me who the Ohio State the MVP actually was, I'd probably say Jay Sean Tate, because for a 6'4 guy who thinks he's 6'10, he just seems to always be there and to make shots that he literally has no reason to be able to make, and it makes no sense. So I think the fact that Jay Sean Tate, as a senior on this team, finally kind of getting the the mantle of a leader, taking that away from guys who are a little bit Let's let's call a spade a spade. Mark Loving, a good player, had a good senior year, but never an on-court or even off-court leader. Jay Sean Tate seems to have been taken at least a part of that mantle, and I think he's been incredibly valuable to this run they've had this season. I, I'm really happy for him. And, you know, he's somebody that I think deserved better from his uh, you know his tenure at, at Ohio State because of, of either you know coaching attrition or roster attrition or you know bad luck or poor leadership or what have you. And you're right. He's such an interesting player. He's a very college basketball kind of player because somebody who's six yeah. foot four and a bigger dude, right? Um, who's, who's very much offensively focused in the paint, you know, outside of like a Charles Barkley that hasn't really existed in the NBA for a long time. And it isn't even really something you see in Europe, but, but, but if you have really good energy levels and if you have good, you know, footwork, you can make a living that way in, in college basketball. And he's been able to kind of mix that with some, you know, some, uh, some playmaking ability that, that we haven't seen before. He's, he's just, I haven't, I, I can't think of another Buckeye in recent memory. That's anything like him. And he, and the fact that he has had a great attitude and, you know, is very visibly somebody who is giving a hundred percent all of the time, even when that means that he over, you know, over commits or, you know, maybe occasionally <laughs> makes a couple of mistakes that way. He's not certainly not a perfect basketball player, but you know, he was the guy that you rooted for 
the last two years when you watch Ohio State play with kind of ennui and everything, right? Like, you know, Tate's going to be trying. You know, Tate's going to fly in there for an offensive rebound. You know, he's going to try to make something out of nothing. You know, he's not a great long range shooter. He's six foot four. And so, you know, you know, the, the ends that play for Purdue are going to be able to body him a little bit. But no, I, I, I agree. He's, he's, a, he's a major cog of what's made this team successful. I think he's a major cog of the cultural renaissance that the team has experienced. I've enjoyed watching him play. Uh, and I, uh, I, I hope that he's able to you know, com- com- conclude his Ohio State career here uh, on an even higher note. Absolutely. And of course, from my perspective, go Tigers. We are both all, uh, alums of Pickerington. So uh, that's always was nice. He, was see was he too. a central kid? Uh, he was. Uh, ooh, man, they split after I left. So, yes, central. Uh-huh. He was at the old high school where I actually went. So, yeah, both me and, and, and friend of the pod, Laurie Schmidt, are also alums of Pickerington. So. Go Tigers. Yeah. So, (laughs) all right. So let's get into uh, the actual bracket for the Big Ten tournament. What we know and the most important stuff is, is that because Michigan State beat Wisconsin on Sunday, the day we're recording, they earned the number one seed, meaning that Ohio State does not get a share of the Big Ten regular season title. But as we said, they get the number two seed, which is way more than I expected at the beginning of the season. Purdue will be the number three seed, so they'll be on Ohio State's side of the bracket. Nebraska will be number four. Michigan will be number five. From there, the game that will feed into Ohio State, because Ohio State does get the double buy for being in the top four, will be number 10 Northwestern versus number seven Penn State. That's probably the worst thing that any Buckeye basketball fan could have heard um, of of the teams that might have fallen in there. Penn State could have moved up to the number six seed if they would have beaten Nebraska on Sunday. They did not. So they will be playing Northwestern on March 1st for the right to try and beat Ohio State for the third time this season. Now, Matt, that first game, obviously a crazy banked three-pointer. Then this last game, they completely ran Ohio State out of the gym. I think a lot of that is a function of this condensed schedule, which you mentioned earlier, where Ohio State is playing, what, six games in 10 days or something like that. There's these crazy amount of NBA-type scheduling. And they're a pretty thin, inexperienced team as they are. Kata Bates, the out for the last month, month and a half, has just seemed like he's had no legs whatsoever. But... For this game, if they do end up playing Penn State in the uh, the March 2nd round of games, they'll have had a- almost an entire week off. It's a 6.30 game. They'll have almost seven full days. They should be rested. Do you see anything happening differently between the Buckeyes and Penn State than it did a couple weeks ago when they got ran out of the gym in Happy Valley? Yeah, I, I, I think Ohio State's going to win. Um, the, uh, the, the, the getting getting clobbered. Uh, on the on the 15th, you're right. Like I, I think Ohio State was due for a game like that. That happens in in, in these games sometimes. Um, Penn State shoots very well, and it, yeah, it's is a massive matchup problem because guys like Tony Carr uh, can really kind of attack Ohio State's defense in the backcourt, and he's he's been shooting excellently, uh, especially over over the last two months. The the Nittany Lions, though, in general, you know, they've they've lost three in a row. Um, they're they're not a very good free throw shooting team. They uh, I, I think really other than the Ohio State game and and the, the murdering of a really bad Illinois haven't really played great basketball for a month. Um, and I think it's difficult to beat a team three times in a row. I mean I, I mean three times three times in a season, especially if the uh, the team you know that's that's lost twice is arguably the more talented and, and deeper team. Penn State has a really good starting five. I think their bench is probably even worse than Ohio State's, and I think Ohio State's slightly Wolf. better coached. 
So, you know, it, the, the fun thing about this is like, I think it's appropriate to expect Ohio State to win. Um, Penn State's metrics are low key, like not bad for a 19 and 12 program. Like that would probably help Ohio State's you know numbers a little bit. But if they lose, it's not really a big deal. So Ohio State ends up ends up a five or a six seed, probably still a five. Uh, if yeah. they win, wonderful. They 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 they, uh, they they get a shot at, a, at another difficult <laughs> team here and a chance to really improve their uh, you know their seeding some more. But I'm I'm going to enjoy this with complete found money, which has been again a different experience over the last couple of tournaments when you're like either. They need to win three games for this to have a chance or, God, I just hope they don't lose to Rutgers. Like, no, yeah. you don't have that. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. Ohio State, currently Ken Palm has them as the number 15 team of the country. Penn State, despite their 19-12 and 12 record, is number 32. So you wouldn't expect a team that's only seven games above 500 in college basketball to be ranked that high. Of course, there are two Big Ten teams in Purdue and Michigan State at the four and five spot, according to uh, Ken Palm's ratings. And Michigan is actually 16, just one spot behind Ohio State. So there are some chances for Ohio State if they can make a little bit of a run here in the Big Ten tournament to increase their seeding, maybe get up onto that four line somehow if they're able to make a deep run. But as you said, if they do beat Penn State for the first time this season. Knock on wood, hopefully they don't lose three in a row. Chances are pretty good that they're going to be playing Purdue. And as we know, we remember they beat Purdue in West Lafayette when Purdue was the third-ranked team in the country. I'm still not exactly sure how that happened. I'm not exactly sure how Andre Wesson can check Isaac Haas for almost an entire half and completely shut him down and hold him to just two points in 20 minutes. I, I just don't know how that happened. But when you look at Purdue's team, they are stacked. They've got four guys who are averaging uh, in double digits, and those four guys would probably be averaging double digits on almost any team in the country between Carson and Vincent Edwards, no relation, Haas, as I mentioned, and then Dakota Mathias. They're a team that has legit top-level NCAA Division I players. You're optimistic about Ohio State playing Penn State, and of course it's all found money, so if they lose, they lose. Um, I, I'm not looking forward necessarily. Maybe that's the Maybe that's the pessimist in me uh, about the opportunity to go up against Purdue again, having beat them on their home court and having a little bit of chip on their shoulder if Ohio State does end up playing them in their second game in the tournament. I'd probably take Purdue. Um, I, I, you know, in, in order for Ohio State to beat Purdue again, you would need to have a, a, a uh, really another transformative game, I think, where you're able to prevent Penn State's you know, front court from getting the ball. Uh, and then just hope that uh, you, you know you don't get into foul trouble, that you don't have to go dig deep into your bench, um, and that you get a little bit fortunate with with, with Purdue missing some shots. And, and that kind of happened here before. If it happens again, wonderful. Um, if it doesn't, it's, it's not a big deal because there really aren't very many other teams in the country that have both the experience and the size that Purdue has uh, that Ohio State could potentially face You know, in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and in that game, we mentioned the fact that Andre Wesson was checking Haas. That's because his younger brother, Caleb, was in foul trouble. And really, because Andre was doing such a good job, even when it got later in the game, Chris Holtman kept him on the bench and let his older brother kind of play the post en route to a win. You talked about Caleb Wesson and how he's progressed over this season. He's gotten in a little bit better shape. Apparently, you know, back in the offseason in the summer, he was sick and wasn't able to condition. He put on a little bit more weight. He's always been uh, a little bit uh, on the bigger side. Um, and but he's Love into big basketball players. Yeah. Yeah. OK, I'm trying to be delicate. You know, you threw out <laughs> Charles Barkley earlier, you know, um, but he's turned into a player who 
is shockingly reliable as a freshman down low in the Big Ten, which, yes, it's a down year for the conference, but it's still a bruising conference. If Caleb Wesson can stay out of foul trouble, do you think that that changes the equation of what could happen between an Ohio State-Purdue matchup in the Big Ten tournament? Um, I, it's, it's that, that one-on-one battle, or I guess, you know, two-on-one, if you want to throw in his brother would, would yeah. be the, 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 the big, one of the two big fundamental questions, I think of that potential matchup, uh, you know, the maturation and production that Ohio state has gotten from, I, I think both lessons, um, has been another reason for this team's you know major success. And the reason why I think it's good to be excited about what this team could be next year, even though they're going to lose Tate, lose Bates, the up. Lose, I, I, lose Andrew Dakich. Like I can't believe I'm saying yeah. that as a, as a as a thing that that thing that matters. Cam Williams um, as well. Sure, yeah. Um, is when he's when he's on is really the and only really strong, yeah, uh, <laughs> floor spacer on this roster. You know, if, if those two teams played ten times, I think I'd still favor Haas. I think I'd still favor Purdue. Uh, but Ohio State it has a look there that they haven't had in several years, and that gets them a puncher's chance. And that's gonna, you know, I I don't think Purdue would blow them out. I imagine that would be another uh, closely contested game, and and that would be positive experience heading into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and so let's say Ohio State in our little theoretical bracket here does move on and plays the winner of probably Michigan State and Nebraska. Nebraska is a team that. Ohio State had a tough game with uh, earlier in the season. Of course, Ohio State beat Michigan State when they were the top team in the country. Again, I'd feel okay if, if Ohio State was playing Nebraska. But again, yeah. you beat Michigan State when they're the number one team in the country. They're not going to take that lightly if they do get a rematch in the in the conference tournament. It's one of those things I, I half listened and half watched the Michigan State Wisconsin game. And Wisconsin, who's the number nine seed in the Big Ten uh, in the Big Ten tournament. Gave him a run for the money, and it came down to the end. But when you've got guys like Miles Bridges and Nick Ward and Joshua Langford and Cassius Winston and and Jaron Jackson as a freshman as well, I just I just struggle to see Ohio State being able to repeat that upset, especially in the Big Ten tournament. That's probably true. Uh, Michigan State hasn't lost in over in over a month, but it is a little concerning to me that they have not played very well away from home. Uh, for the last several weeks, you know, they were um, a little fortunate to beat a bad Wisconsin team. They struggled with a bad Northwestern team. Um, you know, they, they've struggled with a bad Iowa team, really. And, you know, that, that's that's a testament to, to mindset here. Uh, maturity. I don't know. And obviously there's so many weird things going on behind the scenes in Michigan State right now, and especially because you're looking at a relatively young team. The bulk of this roster that your contributors are underclassmen. You never know how they're going to respond to that kind of adversity. They're, they're very good right now, talent for talent, man for man. Yes, they're much better than Ohio State. They're, they're good enough to win a national title. Um, I don't know how you factor in all the other accoutrement that comes with this here. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and, and I understand what you're saying about how they play a, away from home. But the one thing I will say is they did struggle with Northwestern in the first half. They showed something really tremendous and really historic until this past weekend with their comeback yeah. in the second half. They were down 49 to 27 in the first half. They held Northwestern to 11 points after halftime and ended up winning 65 to 60. So they did show that despite point. yeah, despite all of the junk that's going on behind the scenes that might end up taking down half of the blue buds in college basketball including perhaps Michigan State, um, they've struggled a little bit on the road. But they did show quite a bit of heart against the Wildcats. So um, 
again, this is a tournament. Who knows what's going to happen? They could end up losing to Wisconsin or Maryland and not make it out. And Ohio State could be playing Illinois in the championship game. Who knows? Okay, let's um, let's let's not let's not get hasty. Yeah. Okay. So, but the point is, is I think that Ohio State's put itself in a position, despite all reasonable expectations. To make a run in this tournament, they've had crazy, unexpected runs in the Big Ten tournament throughout the course of the, what is it now, decade and a half, almost 20 years of the Big Ten tournament. Um, And I I would love to see it, and I think it's going to be fun. One of the things that this team has done this season, more so early on than it has been in this rough kind of second half of the Big Ten season, they're just fun to watch, Matt. And like they, I enjoy watching them, whether it's, uh, you know, Caleb Wesson fighting down low or Jay Sean Tate just mixing it up underneath or uh, Kata Bates-Diop making a weird turnaround jumper in the lane. I, I just enjoy this team and I enjoy the camaraderie, especially after you saw senior night. They just seem like they have a ton of fun playing together. Yeah, and that's really that joy has been what's been lacking for the past couple of years. I've enjoyed this a lot more, too. I mean, part of it selfishly because I don't run the site anymore. Uh, I haven't watched every single game. You know, <laughs> after the football season grind, you know, when I was when I was running land grant with Luke, by, by February, it was kind of tiring under the best of circumstances. And because Ohio State was often playing like butt, and you, you're trying to be a little bit of a voice of positivity on Twitter – you know, it's that then it wasn't as much fun. But this year, this year, you're right. It, it's great. They they share the basketball. They don't do, they don't do too many stupid things. They seem to actually like playing with each other. There's an identity and a culture and a pathway uh, to sustain success rather than just this just being a one kind of flash in the pan thing. So yeah, th- this is great. I hope everybody enjoys this. I know the the schedule's weird. The location's weird. Uh, a lot of things about this tournament are strange. But uh, I, I, I'm hopeful that it's a, a nice kind of feather here in the, in the cap of what's been a, a really great season. So, Matt, you mentioned kind of this weird schedule with the tournament. And we got on last Friday, Jim Delaney, the commissioner of the Big Ten, said that he basically regrets the fact that they condensed the Big Ten schedule in order to get the tournament in at Madison Square Garden. I, I mean, I guess I understand why they did that. They've had the... The media day out there in New York, they had it in Washington, D.C., which you and Luke attended a year or so ago or two seasons ago, but they couldn't do it in the normal window for major D1 conference tournaments because everybody knows Madison Square Garden is the host of the Big East tournament. So they're doing it a week early, giving Ohio State and all of the other Big Ten teams about a a little more than a week and a half, depending on when they lose, uh, before the NCAA tournament. He said that he regrets doing the schedule because of the harm that it is done physically to the health of a lot of the players. And it is not something that the big 10 will do again. Now, as I, we were talking about before we started, I, my first job out of college was working for the big 10 and along with everybody else that worked in that office, we revered and loved commissioner Delaney other than the whole leaders and legends fiasco. I don't know that I've ever actually heard him admit a mistake before. Um, so this was a little startling to me when he just came out and said, yeah, we screwed that up. We're not going to do it again. I imagine he must've gotten a lot of pushback from coaches because leading up to this, this was, this was literally something nobody asked for. None of the coaches wanted it. Uh, I think people who cover college basketball closely understand that for kids that are like under 20, Madison square garden does not have the same magical allure. Um, as it does for, for, I think people a little bit older, right? Like they don't remember the Knicks ever being good. Um, uh, and, and the, the, the big East has, has changed where it's, 
Well, it's still an absolutely excellent basketball conference. Like that event is not the same as it was when it was a week long, you know, gigantic deal. And and uh, by making that change, you yeah you you put the the health and and student experience of you know people that are purportedly student athletes at risk. Um, you put some, I think, important college basketball games early in the season uh, in a time where they're still competing for oxygen with football, so they weren't paid attention to very well. And you're forcing, you know, an, an event in a place where there's not a lot of, as not nearly as many Big Ten fans. Like, you know, I, I went to the Big Ten tournament in DC, mm-hmm. and that was when Maryland was projected to be pretty good, and the state, it, it, the, the the atmosphere was okay. Like, it's it was a, a far cry away from what it was. Uh, in Chicago and Indianapolis, where it's, uh, I think, a low-key, really fun event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not going to be able to go up to New York this year, but I imagine it's going to be relatively similar. I mean, there's going to be some alumni that live in that area, and that's great. But uh, Rutgers is going to be last place again, uh, as as they <laughs> are going to be for a while. Uh, Penn State is the closest team there. They're kind of a – you know, they probably need to make the, the, the conference final – uh, to to get into the NCAA's and that's and there's not a big basketball fan base and it's an expensive trip for everybody, so I I, I think this is unfortunate. I, I think Delaney, the last couple of years has been guilty of uh, a couple of other excesses in the name of trying to be in this media market and it's been worse for fans and it's been worse for players. Uh, I'm glad that they have realized this is a mistake. I don't hate having the tournament there once a decade, but uh, there's plenty of other arenas in New York where you could potentially do this, and having it in Brooklyn yeah. um, at a, a more sensible time is fine. Nobody's going to complain. No, absolutely. I, I think doing it at Barclays would be the exact same for 99% of the people as if it was at Madison Square Garden. It's not the mecca. I understand that, but who cares? I would rather have it in the normal time slot uh, because it doesn't completely destroy the rest of the schedule. That being said, I didn't hate having a couple big 10 games early in December after the big 10 football championship is over with waiting for the bowl season. I didn't mind Ohio state playing Wisconsin and Michigan then because it did give us a little bit of a jump start to get excited for the season when otherwise they might've been playing Radford or something like that during that week. So I didn't hate that part of it. But having to think about the fact of how many games they're playing in the course of a week and how little rest they have and, you know, assumably they're student athletes first and everybody's going to class except for Cam Williams it, during that time. <laughs> so, you know, you how do they do that? The whole the whole mantra of college sports is the academic impact and the student welfare impact. It looks like those things were thrown out the window because Commissioner Delaney and the Big Ten Conference got eyes as big as saucers when they saw the opportunity to take the tournament to Madison Square Garden. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you have have followed college basketball news over the last week, even very casually, and still have you know any inkling of an idea that this is about academics or this student athlete experience, buddy, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't I don't know how much more explicit that could possibly be. It's unfortunate when those decisions come from people who purportedly allegedly should know better. Like like Delaney, but hey, you know that's that that that's what that's what we have here. I mean, uh, that's why we have Rutgers at all. Um, so you know, you know, hopefully, you know, ho- hopefully, it's, it's a positive memory for the kids, and enough people go to make it to make it fun and loud. But uh, I wouldn't be shocked if there's an, for seventeen year olds playing uh, in Jay Z's house in Brooklyn would actually be cooler. But yeah, we'll see. What do I know? I'm an out of touch dad myself. Yeah, I, well, and also, who's who's going to an early Wednesday game between Rutgers and Illinois at Madison Square Garden. I mean, 
you know, at least if you're in Indianapolis or or you're in the United Center in Chicago, maybe you'll have some local fans showing up. But I, I just don't see that happening in New York. But no, all right, you're, you're, you're not going to make a seven hundred dollar trip to go watch no. Rutgers, Illinois. No, not at all. So all right, so after the Big Ten tournament, this they'll have the break that we're talking about of a, up to a week and a half, two weeks, maybe if you get bounced a little bit early before the actual big dance starts. I have to think that based of all the stuff we've talked about, Matt, that actually benefits Ohio State, lets them get their legs back under them, lets them get a little bit of their mojo back before they head into the tournament. Obviously, we're still two weeks away from Selection Sunday, so I'm not going to ask you, you know, how far they go. But just, uh, you know, on a big picture scale, do you think this is a team that has a run in them, whether that's to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or can't imagine it would be much further than that but maybe do you think that this team has the ability to kind of shock some people in this format that i think because of this break they're getting actually sets up really well to minimize the deficiencies that this team might have on its roster yeah that's funny that 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 is probably the only real silver lining from this ridiculous schedule i mean one of the worst kind of the worst kept secrets about the big 10 tournament before is that really after the second round as far as seeding is concerned, the games didn't really matter. When, when you're having yep. your, your tournament final like two hours before Selection Sunday, like they're not – they say they're rejoining the – they're not really rejoining the brackets. Like it's – that's – and and I think that actually kind of hurt the quality of the play a little bit, dilutes the value of that game. Uh, that won't, that shouldn't be the case this year. There's going to be a lot of basketball played. Uh, and that, that – you're right. It does help Ohio State. It helps them with their, their tired legs and their, their lack of depth. As far as how far they can go, I know this is a cop-out. I think it depends so much on that draw. If 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 Ohio State's playing against a mid-major that can control the tempo and has a like a senior guard that can hit 43% from three and they get a little lucky, they could lose to a 12 or 13 seed. Um, if they get a little bit fortunate with their matchups um, and, and, and KVD has, has a big game, then certainly I think they can make the Sweet 16. I, I personally, I would think that if they just win one game, uh, that would be a, you know, I mean, whatever else happened would not be a disappointment. That's a successful campaign, but they do have the potential to do a little bit more than that, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would, I would say Sweet 16 would be fair. I think that's a, a, a reasonable expectation for fans to have. Anything beyond that is to steal your phrase. You're playing with house money. Um, and it all, I mean, it's all a crapshoot at that point to mix my gambling metaphors there. Um, it, it's a crapshoot depending on who you line, who you line up with in the bracket. So we'll see once Selection Sunday happens here in two weeks and we'll kind of see what happens in there in the lay of the land. And I guess try to figure out if they have a potential final four run in them, which would be incredible. But Matt, before, before we wrap up here, this has been a season that nobody expected, but I, I have to wonder in the back of my head, because it has been so reliant on players like Jay Sean Tate and Keita Bates-Diop, but also Andrew Dockich has played great, and, and Cam Williams has, when he's been there, he's shown fairly well at times. All of those guys will be gone, presumably, unless KBD decides to stay, which would be ludicrous. No, dude, go, go make money. Yeah, he's gone. But... What does that leave for Ohio State next year? C.J. Jackson will presumably be back running the point. You'll have the Wesson brothers. I guess you'll have Micah Potter, I guess, and Kyle Young and Musa Jallo and a decent recruiting class. But I have to I kind of feel like this is something we have to appreciate now because they could be taking a step back because they're going to get really young in a hurry unless they figure out some new transfers or Juco players to come in next season. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they look for graduate transfers at guard again. You know, they kind of kicked the tires on that a little bit last season. There's there's, there's going to be a, a need for that, I think. Um, I feel positive about the potential development of Jallo and Young. Um, I, I really like the depth really at Ohio State's front court, and you have another, uh, you know, high four star, you know, six foot seven, you know, wing slash, you know, kind of more comfortable forward in JJ Ladie, who's coming in, who I think should be able to play a little bit right away. Uh, I, I feel really good about Luther Muhammad. That's Ohio State's best recruit, a top, a top 100 kid, a mm-hmm. uh, combo guard out of New Jersey, who I, I think can kind of take some of, of, of Cam Williams' role. And, and maybe yeah, he's a little bit longer and I, I think a little bit of a better defender, if maybe not quite the shooter. So you're, you're still going to have a little bit of roster trouble, I think, here with your backcourt. And it's going to be a difficult out-of-conference schedule. I believe Ohio State opens next year against Cincinnati. I think they're playing UCLA. Uh, as well as the yeah a Gavit game and the Big Ten ACC uh, challenge, so there's, there's it's gonna they're they're gonna be tested, and I imagine the Big Ten's going to be a little bit better. But I think you know the wild wild optimist to me right now thinks that there's reason to expect some development from some of these younger players to offset losing some important senior leaders to be a tournament team again next season, and from there, who knows. All right, from your mouth to uh, Fred Taylor's ears, then, because uh, I think we're we're liking the fact that they're a tournament team again, and I don't want to give it up after having it not be the case for the two previous seasons, the last two of the Thad Mata era. So, um, yeah. I think things are exciting. I think Chris Holtman somehow Ohio State lucked in to the right coach. Uh, if they, if they if if Gene Smith would have decided to let Thad Mata go at a normal time when you let college basketball coaches go, I don't know that Chris Holtman is the coach of the Buckeyes right now. It very yeah. well could have been Archie Miller or heaven forbid his brother. That would have been a nightmare. Um, but I think Ohio State basketball is in a really good situation moving forward and they got the right coach to take him on for hopefully another decade or even more into the future. Yeah, I, I feel I feel great about where the program is right now. It's been a while since I've said that. So uh, let's just, you know, enjoy, enjoy the next couple of weeks. It'll be fun no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you guys for listening to this Ohio State Big Ten basketball tournament preview episode of Hangout in the Holy Land. You can find all episodes of the podcast on LandGrantHolyLand.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your daily dose of podcast goodness. You can find... Land Grant on Twitter at Land Grant 33. You can also find us on Facebook and you can check out everything at LandGrantHolyLand.com. So for the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Matt Brown, I am Matt Tamanini. We will talk to you guys soon and go Bucks.